We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. NBA Most Valuable Player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes. Chris Middleton. Nice jumper. Got it. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am here, as always, with the incandescent Rohan Kadi, and Rohan and I are joined by a spectacular, kind of a boring one, but it works, guest, Laz Jackson, who I always want to call Laz Chance, because his Twitter at is at Laz Chance. Laz, how's it going? Rohan, how's it going? Laz gets to go first, because he's our guest. It's. I feel great. I will take the normal spectacular. Was, I'm pretty sure I just got called a light bulb. Like, right. no, well, in, incandescent is nice, but like I, know I do is, my own is. intros, so I never get to call myself spectacular. So that's nice. Other it's people fitting. think it's I'm spectacular. Oh, absolutely. Oh, hundred percent. We're excited to have you on. Um, I think. I, I think what's kind of funny is. There's probably a lot of like shade going your way because the Pistons are one and six and the Jeremy Grant deal and the Mason Plumley deal. But I feel like this is not a terrible outcome so far for where Detroit should be in terms of like the big picture overall. Like if you don't have a star and you want a star, there's only so many ways to go to get it. And the Detroit Pistons are not one of those teams that can just be like, oh, LeBron hits free agency. We will take one LeBron. You kind of have to go through the draft at least a little bit. So I want to just start off here and get your take on, like, wh- how do you feel about where the Pistons are at? How did you feel about the summer? And we're not going to go super deep because we have a lot of Bucks Pistons stuff to talk about and current stuff. But I, I want to hear from you, like, what is your takeaway from what's gone on in the, the early months of the Troy Reaver Wayne rain? Excuse me. So, so far, so good. There was a 
lot of talk in free agency about how basically between free agency and the draft, they did not do the best job of like maximizing all the assets that they had on their roster in pursuit of their rebuild, right? Like you lose Christian Wood for like functionally a first round pick and uh, some cash. <laughs> we've, uh, we've lost him for less. So yeah. <laughs> you you pay out four second round picks to get Luke Kennard to the Clippers, who immediately then give him an extension. So it's not like they like didn't want him. Um, you get a lightly protected or a uh, a Toronto twenty twenty one second round pick, which looks way better than it did oh, at that the might time be a top of the trade. Pick in the second round at this point, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. gonna be like the thirty fifth pick at this point. But uh, but yeah, for Bruce Brown, who was a starter and rotation guy for you, so it, it felt like the team just like didn't value the guys they had. But then like they signed Jeremy Grant, and Jeremy Grant's averaging twenty three points a night, and it looks like entirely sustainable that he could keep doing that, which is weird. Uh, he signed. Uh, they drafted Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay, and Isaiah Stewart in the first round. All three of those guys are averaging around twenty minutes a night as rookies for a rebuilding team, which is pretty much everything you can ask for for three first round picks. Um, Stewart and Bay have looked really good. Killian has looked less good, and you guys saw what happened to him uh, last night. So yeah. we might have to put that on hold for a little bit. But uh, but you know he's got the best pedigree out of the three, and so I I still believe he'll be good. And so yeah, it's like it's like maybe we don't love what Troy Weaver did, but like the thing with the plan was if he's just the greatest scout alive and hits all these first round picks, it kind of doesn't matter. And so far, it looks like he's hit all three first round picks. Yeah, it looks like it's going so far so good in terms of in terms of a new regime sort of taking over. This is sort of what happens, you know. I I get it. a lot of people were sort of surprised at the complete overall, like you were saying, in terms of like not valuing the guys that they already had, uh, especially like I think that was epitomized by the Luke Kennard situation that you mentioned. It's just that these sort of things happen when you know you get someone else in charge. It's just this is this is how it goes in the NBA. I will say this is quick sidetrack: is Isaiah Stewart's nickname really Beef Stew? Yeah, why? Beef That's incredible. Stew. That's because so good. I love it. Just it's so apt. You watch him, and all he just does is like run around and do energy crap. And just like get offensive rebounds and set hard as shit screens, and we love him. Is beef stew? He's, he's beefy too. Like he's a bigger guy, especially for a rookie. I feel like. Yeah, he came out pretty developed. He's still only Thick. like twenty, I think. But Is he really twenty? Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's a that fantastic nickname. I think, like Twitter's new thing is to just like rule for you know indefinite to the indefinite future on things way way too early i mean we saw the ridiculous steph stuff and all of a sudden like oh, he God, looks like yeah. steph again and there's like a whole now there's a whole counter Did you guys know that draymond's a point forward <laughs> it's just like it's just so much there's just so much like you don't need to come away from every game or every night in the nba and have like figured something out like i think that's the issue on twitter and online is like Everyone is like, uh, "What? What's my takeaway? Like, why did I watch this? Like, just watch basketball. Like, you don't, you're not gonna learn a transformational thing every single night. Yes, um, you can. You can learn things, but you're not gonna learn everything from one game. No, it, it might just be something stupid. You might right. learn something dumb. You might, you know, just shore up something you already knew. But I mean, I like wanna... you watch like Atlanta on the wrong night, and like you learn the wrong thing, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You I watch mean... Brooklyn game one, you think they're gods and then yeah. <laughs> uh they just they've lost like what five four of their last five or something 
Yeah, and there's some KD being out stuff in that, but even when he was healthy, they had, they dropped some games. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. the, uh, the early season Bruce sample Brown, stuff. Bruce Brown, mentioned Bruce Brown is starting for them, apparently. Yeah. Um, I want to ask about Josh Jackson, who didn't play in Bucks pistons game one, but I've seen some genuine excitement about him. What What's going on with Josh Jackson? I think he got a pretty modest deal, if I remember right. I don't have the number in front of me. It he wasn't anything. He got the full room exception, if I remember so correctly. So, like four? four like four or something? five, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and of course, again, it's the whole like, paid Josh Jackson, the guy who got cut or whatever. Um, and actually, I, I kind of when you were talking about, you know, making moves that nobody liked, but they were in like Troy Weaver's image, like he wanted to do what he wanted to do. It's not going to work out, I think, as well as the, the team I'm thinking of. But like, it reminds me of last year's Suns offseason, where everyone was like, that is very stupid. Why would you do that at the time? And then like all the moves ended up working out pretty damn well, even giving up TJ Warren, who looked really good, but other guys really stepped up and blossomed. So I do think it's important. Like, I, I mean, I thought some of their moves were pretty bad. Like I thought the Mason Plumlee deal stunk, but, um, but we have to see it. We have to see it for more than seven games. No. Yeah. Um, and Josh had been playing really well. He had played himself into a starting role. Um, he was shooting only like 31% from three, but still shooting, you know, like 60% from the floor or from two, which is really good. He offered a slashing element, uh, that like we just hadn't had from the wing in some time and got up and down in transition for easy baskets, which was like a huge thing. This team is so bifurcated, right? Like you have all the kids and all the kids want to get out and run. And Josh was definitely a part of that as a younger guy. And then you've got like Derek Rose and Blake Griffin who like, there's literally, <laughs> so like there's a game we played two preseason games against the Knicks, two preseason game against the wizards. There's literally a moment in like the second Knicks game where they had done like four like transition possessions in a row and you could see blank like frustratingly like grab the ball and just like walk it up like i'm sick of running (laughs) this sucks come on guys let's do some half court offense please (laughs) but it's like yeah so josh has been uh a bright find now he twisted his ankle it looked it looked really bad in the moment tice like stepped on it as he was coming down Mm. uh for a transition layup but uh he's i think he's questionable for tomorrow for uh, the game the second game against milwaukee and uh so like it sounds like he could play like basically as soon as this week and so it was much much better than i originally feared uh when it when it happened yeah yeah it's hopefully the same thing ends up being true for killian hayes too yeah yeah they said it do we have any information on it it was like a hip injury it's listed as i believe yeah it's a hip injury um he's doubtful for wednesday's game don't know much more than that. No, no news on like severity. No news on like how long he might be out. But the fact that they have him like listed as doubtful on the injury report leads a lot of us to believe that like it's not as it's also not as bad as we initially feared. Instead of just like out. Yeah. 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 So maybe, but I, at the same time, like you know, again, this team is pretty bad. One and six. We're not going to beat the Bucks. We're not going to beat. Uh, I think next team up is Phoenix. And so it's like, if you would like to baby your number seven overall pick into like being fully healthy, like please, please do that. Yeah, yeah. Th- this year above all other years, really. <laughs> right. Now you mentioned, you know, you said you're not going to beat the Bucks. A closer game than I think most people probably would have expected. I mean, I don't know. I, the Bucks fans saw Milwaukee, you know, lose really badly to the Knicks. They lost to the Celtics. Um, and they lost another game I'm forgetting right now. To the Heat. 
Yeah, they split with the Heat. Yeah, yeah, without without Jimmy, I believe. Um, so, I mean, Milwaukee certainly lost some games in the early going. It does seem like they're starting to kind of string some things together, kind of figure it out. But honestly, I had fun watching that game. I thought there were good takeaways on both sides. The Pistons shot the ball really well, I think 42% from deep. Milwaukee just about matched that mark. The Pistons were like 1% better. But Detroit made some good shots. Jeremy Grant took a lot of shots. But he did make a bunch, and, you know, 24 points on 25 shots is, you know, a pretty good efficiency considering, like, the other guys around him and everything and the team he was playing. Like, I don't think you can complain too much about the guy who went from being like, you know, a nice defensive stretch four to kind of the offensive center point. But I want first to get a little bit of a Bucks focus involved in this pod, which probably should, would be good. What were your takeaways, Laz, from watching Milwaukee play the Pistons in that first game on Monday? So the Pistons broadcast even mentioned this, and it struck me when I heard it, is Dante DiVincenzo, like, really the best three-point shooter in the league by percentage right now? <laughs> I believe maybe. We're going into that game probably. Yes. Not anymore. Okay. That was crazy because we always – we. Uh, I always expected that he would be, like, a, a pretty good role player. I always liked what uh, he offered from, a like, a rotation perspective. But the shot was always kind of the thing that was holding him back. And so it's like, is is that real? Has he Has he – figure something out like mechanically that makes him a much more deadly shooter or is it just like the expanded role go ahead rohan i feel like it's the thing with dante is it's always been it's always really dependent on the shot like you were saying it's he has all the general tools he has playmaking tools he has defensive tools he has insane defensive instincts just the thing that was missing from him to be a reliable, you know, rotation player is his shot, one, from outside, and two, his finishing at the rim. His finishing is still questionable, yeah. uh, to say the least. But the shot looks like it's there, finally. He's been billed as a shooter this entire time, his whole career. It's it's finally starting to seem like it's actually there now. Like I mentioned this on a previous pod. He doesn't look like he's actually changed anything about his shot. There's no mechanical changes. There's no like uh, timing differences or anything about that. It's the same shot. It's just going in more frequently now. Maybe that's time. Um, maybe that comes with time in the league. Maybe it's luck. It is a small sample size, but it might actually be there now. Yeah, I'm buying it. I mean, I think it helps that he's playing unique or not unique not not entirely but like so much minutes with the starters I think like he was more of a bench piece and he would play minutes with Giannis and everything but they would also be out there with like bench lineups where you know defenses can afford to focus in on Dante a little bit more when it's like him Pat Condon etc I don't want to relive all my trauma right now but um it just not the best lineups so now that he's out there with Chris Giannis and Drew I think he's getting better looks I think the Bucks offense is getting better just looks from three not really in this game I mean they still shot well but sort of the the revolution had been Giannis is getting inside and then when the wall comes finding shooters the wall wasn't really getting there fast enough for him to have time <laughs> yeah. to find shooters. <laughs> I think he had 30 points and 35 points, whatever, in the first half. It only ends with 43. So I, I do think, like, I'm I like I, 25 shots. Yeah, 43 so, points on 24 shots. No, but it, it, it tightened up a bit in the second half. I have to imagine Dwayne Casey was not thrilled having seen Giannis so many times. I'm sure he, uh, I'm sure he knew what to expect. I just don't. It's harder than just saying something to, to stop Giannis. But, um, but yeah, yeah, it wasn't the, the exact level of shot creation. But what I like about Dante's game this year 
is, and he's always really played like this, but he just hasn't had minutes and opportunity. Like, he's so unflappable. So he misses five of his six threes. He's two for nine from the field, just five points in 30 minutes. But he stayed involved. I mean, he adds five rebounds, nine assists, some really nice assists. Like, for for you saying, you you know, you weren't used to the shooting, the rest of us in this game were like, we're not used to seeing him create, like, really nice passes like that. Like, I remember at one point he took Derrick Rose off the drizzle, uh, off the dribble. I said drizzle because I'm thinking sizzle. And he showed a little sizzle, like, off the bounce and engineers an open three, I think, to Brooke Lopez. He also added two steals and a block. He was just all over. We're used to seeing the defense. But it does feel like he's just becoming a little bit more well-rounded. I think the opportunity was good for him. But, yeah, even with one for six from deep, it's still, like, it's just he's been impressive. The shooting kind of I don't want to say needs, but kind of needs to be real. I think it's really important to this group. But Drew Holiday's also shot a lot better than I think I expected at least. So maybe it's not as crucial as I would have thought going in. But it's certainly it's been super exciting so far. Dante yeah. is down to third in three point percentage now. Oh no! Uh, behind, can you guys guess? Um, just raw three point percentage. Not are, are either in. of them expected, or are they all completely? Oh, is Tobias Harris one? Nope. Duncan um, Robinson? Oh, you guys aren't going to guess these. I don't know why I'm asking. Number one is Alec Burks. Oh, yeah. Uh, and number two, Denzel Valentine. Oh, no. Yeah. They what? were right. They were right. They extended that qualify- that team option. 61.5% from three. All right. Yeah, let's see about that. That's <laughs> <laughs> a sell in that one. It burns me so much because he's, he's a Michigan State guy, too. And he's just like, I don't buy that at all. I was so high on him coming out of it. That's when I stopped <laughs> doing draft stuff. I was like, nope, nope. I stink at this. I don't, I don't t- take nearly enough time. No, thank you. Sure. I mean, speaking of draft stuff, the other thing, well, one of the other things I wanted to ask you guys about was the rookies. Like, mm, yes. you got Jordan Nora in there, like, playing actual rotation minutes and not looking terrible. Like, how, how does it feel to for Bud to be forced to use a rookie <laughs> in a rotation spot? He, off the, the only reason it happened is because uh, uh, good old, our, fel- our friendly real estate agent, uh, Pat Conniston, wasn't <laughs> playing. Uh, theoretically, am I, am I right in saying that, Ty? Yeah, and wasn't someone else is out too? Uh, Tory Craig, uh, Tory is, Craig is out too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He like broke his nose. Yeah, although I mean, people are now saying Bud punched him, so we wouldn't have to play him or justify <laughs> playing him. That's not a real rumor. That's not a real rumor. That's a Twitter joke. <laughs> Let's be clear. Uh, but yeah, so it's kind of it's kind of weird to see uh, Jordan Wara in there. Actually, maybe it's fools gold. Maybe Pat Conson comes back, and then we get to see him jump at defenders again. But. It was nice to see him out there. We've seen him a lot in sort of garbage time minutes, and he's he's played really well. But, again, that's garbage time. Him and Sam yeah. Merrill, the other rookie, have been shooting the lights out. Uh, Sam Merrill out with an ankle injury. But Jordan War actually getting to play in the rotation a bit, he did look like a fish out of water at first. Yeah. He looked very phased. <laughs> he... He was scared of the moment, I want to say a little. Maybe not scared, but like the moment sort of took hold of him. He was sort of making errant reads, errant passes, trying to take weird shots. He did make like a buzzer-beating layup at the end of the third quarter, I believe, a reverse layup, which was nice. It looks like uh, Giannis is taking him under his wing a little bit, which is kind of it's kind of fun to see. It's been a while since we've had a rookie on this team. There wasn't one last year, and then Dante, his rookie season was hurt a lot, so... It's it's weird seeing rookies in the rotation for sure. Yeah, it's I kind of funny. No, go right. ahead, Les. 
I was like, I know, yeah, I remember he, he struggled at first because when he checked in, Sadiq Bey was like, oh, yeah, Nora, I remember that guy. I'm going to go post him up. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, man, like, sure. But I, I did think he settled in quite nicely. And a guy with that size who offers, like, that level of shooting, um, and even for, like, a small role, um, I think was, like, really useful for the Bucks because their bench backcourt is so tiny. Yeah. You need, you need some size out there with uh, – with uh, Forbes and uh, Augustine. Yeah, we were coming into the season kind of looking forward to, like, maybe a debate. I, I would probably wouldn't say controversy, but a debate about, like, who should the starter at the two be? Like, we all knew what four of them were going to be, the core four, so to speak, which is kind of dying now that Brooke Lopez is, like, really slow start to the season. Um, but it was like, oh, is, is uh, Bryn Forbes the best option? Tory Craig's defensive versatility? Well, Dante would be the best of both worlds, but, you know, he's got he's to gotta really nail the shot down. I mean, he really, like, he took all the fun out of the debate, like, immediately. He just looked way too good. There's no way you can bench him. So now, all of a sudden, it's like, well, what's, what's the bench lineup? Both, like, what would be a good bench five and just, like, who should play? And I think, like, backup point guard, again, not fun. DJ Augustine got it locked down. Another slow start, and I get these funny questions, like, is he washed? Like, it's been, like, four games, like, no training camp season, new team, don't worry about it. He was four for five and three for three from deep against Detroit. Did not look very washed. Plus six assists in 19 minutes. Just a really nice, solid backup point guard. And, like, Bryn Forbes is going to float around. They're going to do Corver stuff, whatever. Bobby Portis is going to do Bobby Portis stuff. But, like, the backup big wing is really fascinating. Like, DJ Wilson was a guy we thought would play. He got some chances, didn't necessarily do the best. These last few games, it's been Tanasis Atetokounmpo who has gotten the chances at that spot. Twitter hates this. I don't mind it. They don't use him. I like they they keep running pick and rolls with him. I'm like, don't Bobby Portis is out there. Like, don't waste a pick and roll. But he only played five minutes against Detroit. Wara gets eight. Although I still think I still think he's looked at as more of kind of a mid size wing, not necessarily a big wing like Tanasis or DJ Wilson. But if they do look at his size and think he could play there and try to get him involved there, that could become very interesting if he keeps hitting shots. Yeah, Thanasis actually, he had a really quick trigger <laughs> against Detroit. Uh, yeah, five minutes. I think it was a hard foul, and I think that was kind of where they were like, yeah, let's not start a fight that early in this game. I mean, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's that's fair. Uh, Thanasis doing Thanasis things. Um, yeah. Just, it seemed like, I don't know, his leash is getting a little shorter. <laughs> uh, maybe, like you were saying, uh, DJ Wilson got his chances. Maybe now it's uh, Thanasis' turn. Maybe DJ Wilson comes back. Maybe Tory Craig gets a shot. I don't. I. I have no idea at this point. Such strong future piston vibes from this conversation. <laughs> oh, hey, my. to hey. be fair, we didn't. We thought that Sterling and DJ would be future pistons. Neither of them are in Detroit. I think that's a win for Detroit. Yeah, and after you flip the entire roster over and still don't add any bucks, like I think the pipeline <laughs> is a little bit shut down. They got Snell. Like they did a reverse. Yeah. And and Thon, there's just and like Christian thanks, Thon. I forgot about Thon. <laughs> <laughs> How could you forget about Thon? I don't know, man. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry, Thon. <laughs> it does seem like Thon is the opposite of a a Weaver guy based on this new roster, though. Oh yeah, totally. What he plays center? <laughs> yeah, but he's That's true. Skinny. He's not yeah. big. He's got to be buffer. Like look look at Beef Stew. To think- Seku's in the doghouse. Seku. So I actually want to talk about this a little bit. Yeah, I wanted because- I wanted you to. Because Pistons Twitter is like furious that Seku isn't playing like 25 minutes a night. 
Um, wait, hang on. I'm going to go back to the basketball reference page. Where I, <laughs> I was going to my... say, 23 against the Bucks, but I know he had to fill in early because yeah, Jeremy cause... picked up two fouls immediately on Giannis. Yeah, so he's averaging 13 minutes a night, which Ooh. feels about right, if we're being perfectly honest. But, like, Blake Griffin plays power forward. Jeremy Grant plays power forward. They, The coaching staff thinks, and I agree with them, that Sekou's best position is probably going to be power forward. And so there's not, there's just like flat, not going to be a lot of minutes for Seku. Like there just isn't. He's played well in the minutes that he's shown. Um, he looks much less lost defensively. You know, you know how rookies when they come on the floor defensively and they just like have no idea what's they're happening. Just like constantly turning their head left to yeah. right to see what's going yeah. on. He's <laughs> like he's not doing that anymore, which is good. Um, he's got he's like again the team is trying to run more. He's taking like really big advantage of that. Um, in preseason, he was like really active on the glass. That's cut down a little bit. Again, like that's small sample size because of the minutes. But uh, but yeah, and in, in and tonight, like he took advantage of the minutes. Or last night, last night he took advantage of the minutes he was given. Right, like made a couple threes. Um, played, gave a lot of like effort on on defense. Not always the uh perfect execution but like but really great effort which is like what you like to see out of the 20 year old um i think uh one of the pistons twitter guys said it best he said seku had like 80 percent of a good game which is like more than he usually has (laughs) he got some shots up 13 13 attempts in 23 minutes third most on the team like yeah hey man who else is gonna take him is him and rose (laughs) yes if grant's on the bench in foul trouble like um uh, no, that was one of the things that was a little concerning last year, right? Like, kind of, he would drift up from the G League and back. He would drift on the court a little bit. So, it's definitely good to see the energy. I know, I don't think that much sincerity, but kind of like, a, is this a Giannis-type gamble? You know, just a super gangly guy from Europe who, if he puts it all together, could really be good. I don't think anyone expects Giannis. I don't think you should ever expect Giannis from anyone who's not, like, Cade Cunningham-level prospect. But... You know, what What do you think he could be realistically at this point? And I know it's still very early into his career. It's good to be optimistic, especially, you know, staring at one and six in one of these seasons. But in, in all seriousness, what do you look at Seku and, and think, oh, you know, I could see this? So the comp a lot of people used coming into his draft year was Pascal Siakam, which, like, on one hand was kind of lazy because it's, like, two African dudes. Yeah. But on the other, but the other hand, like... It was like they're the same height, like very similar wingspans, like 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 the same dribble moves, like have the same like weird shot, like needed the same level of extreme like player development, and so like it it made sense. On the other hand, um, I still think that is a, I think I still think that's a fair comp. Um, hey, just but because, who knows? Seku might actually be good. Well, hey, <laughs> I was gonna say I mean, fairer like, every day. As we're seeing now, like maybe Pascal like can't be the best player on your team. And no. that's okay. No, and it's like it, it also looks like it's going to be true for Seku, right? Like it looks like he's going to be a uh, complimentary slash like dependent talent for most of his career, which is fine. As uh, as like Jeremy Grant is showing, like you can make a lot of money if you're like really good in your role, and like also they'll let you like shoot the ball a whole lot sometimes <laughs> if you're on bad teams. But uh, but yeah, I think I think like I think like Pascal or like or this is this is also kind of lazy because it's on the same team, but, like, Jeremy Grant is a good comp for what you would like Seku to turn into. Like, he's still only 20. He turned 20 on December 23rd, if I remember correctly. So he's still real, real young. 
Um, but yeah, it's nice to have a guy on the roster in practice every day in Jeremy Grant that you can like literally point to and say like, just do everything he does and you'll be fine. Just be that. <laughs> right. But I feel like it's easier now that Grant has a bigger role too. Cause it doesn't it probably doesn't seem as like, I don't want to say demeaning, but you know, like it, it's not like, it's kind of hard. I feel like to tell a young 20 year old lottery pick, right? Close to yeah. lottery pick. 15th. Yeah. So not, you know, oh, technically so right not there. lottery, right but right after. Yeah. Yeah. First round pick. But like when he was like, you know, the fourth or fifth guy in the nuggets, I feel like it's a little harder to be like, just be that guy. But now that he's like, you know, basically operating as the first guy on the team, I think it's a lot easier to say like, emulate that. Like it, you can take these shots, but you have to do all these things too. Otherwise you can't, can't take all the shots and play all the minutes you always always have to hustle speaking of hustle hey everyone i want to tell you about blue wire hustle a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at blue wire hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level or if you want to host a podcast and you just don't know where to start hustle is the perfect place for you as part of the program you'll receive personal cover art Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, Discord, I said it right the first time, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you get all of this for just $15 a month. The same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. Come work with me. I work on Blue Wire Hustle as part of my work with Blue Wire. It's very fun. It's very exciting. Come apply at bwhustle.com slash join and check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But if you want to go apply right now, bwhustle.com slash join. I was going to think of a good segue. I don't know who else hustles off top. I couldn't think of anyone. I mean, I know some guys do. We already did Dante. Tenacious. Yeah, I mean, I think we've gotten enough Tenacious talk for one episode. I mean, we did a lot last time, too. I don't think people like it. I don't care. Um, Delhi. I don't want to talk about Delhi. I don't want to talk about Delhi. Speaking speaking of dudes who, like, I blink and I didn't realize that they weren't on the roster anymore, what happened to Corver? (laughs) Who knows, honestly? Pseudo-retirement? I don't think he's said it. But, like, he's not signed. (laughs) There's, like, a – I think there's a light conspiracy out here that he could be in line to be the 15th guy. Wait, really? The Bucks still only have 14 guys, I think. I don't think there's real legs to it. I think it's just something people have tossed out there. Yeah, we got to save that for Ursan. Oh God, I'm uh, not. Okay. My favorite, my favorite. I mean, I, I don't even want to say it. Buy out Kyle Lowry. Um, that's my favorite. Otherwise, Ooh. it's not possible. But it uh, is possible. Masai would never. Masai is yeah, also on the way out. Raptors I was going to say, yeah, what if he's Ooh, what if okay. he's coming? I I. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Ooh, wow. This. Wow. Yeah. He hasn't signed wow. his extension. Yeah, contract's expiring. Honestly, I was I was assuming this was I'm assuming that's a like that's a Knicks play. Like James Nolan will literally give me all the money and entire control over the team and he's crazy enough to do it. So they you have to pay me. They just got Leon though. You think Nolan cares about that? That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, I, just checks to that man. 
Hey, That's... they've been the Bucks have been paying John Horst a bag of chips, so maybe they've been saving money for Messiah. <laughs> they can afford, they've been penny pinching for the Messiah offer, which is is it the uh, is it the Houston equivalent, the Maury assistant coach equivalent thing? Um, I think you... they just I don't think it was like timing. I think he was just like somebody nobody around the league had really heard of, so they were just like, "Here's your deal." I think they did either extend or renegotiate a couple they years did. in. He got a new contract, but yeah, his initial deal was like he was making like five hundred k. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That two-way money. Um, which I mean, we all laugh at it. Like, five hundred. <laughs> I'll take five hundred. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's a good point. But that's also like your rookie. Like, can't look you in the right. face and be like, "I make more money than you." <laughs> like, I make four times as much money. <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, that's not a good look for you, man. You can't so, cut me." One of the like Sam Merrill sees John Horst out. He's like, "I got, I got, I got your table. Don't man. worry, don't worry. Man, I got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, you signed my checks, man." <laughs> Um, <laughs> totally threw me off. Oh um. no! So I okay, I'll, I'll direct a little bit then and ask you about uh, Drew Holiday. So yes. is it is it fair that my 19 year old point guard had to go into the hell prison against Drew Holiday? <laughs> Could you make Bud like not do that next time? Is that it hurt my feelings. fair? No. Is it fair but, for anyone? No. Yeah, that's what makes uh, it fun. <laughs> It's I, I did I, I liked when you tweeted like oh thank God DJ Augustine is in here Killian needs a little confidence um, he did he's struggling <laughs> it's like built into the CBA that you can't play Drew Holiday against a rookie it's like let him get let, let him enjoy the league a little like, bit like I I I don't understand what it is with NBA players when they see a rookie in the game they just go at him like oh yeah like Giannis when he saw Sadiq Bay on him he was like okay time to go to work <laughs> okay that was to be fair to Sadiq that's Dwayne Casey's fault you can't put Sadiq Bay in there and be like hey man Jeremy Grant has two quick fouls so like you have to guard Giannis now like, yeah that's go guard not the two time MVP in your like sixth game <laughs> you got this I believe um, you bro yeah no, that probably he, did, he been. did not got it <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's one of those seasons for De- what? Did, what was Milwaukee Giannis's first year? Fifteen and sixty-seven. Yes, quick I, maths. Maybe uh, who knows? It worked for the Bucks, so maybe try that record or try those wins. That's a better record uh, in this regular season. But Drew Holiday, I almost said Drew Lopez. Drew Holiday has been just an absolute joy. I mean, he's been. I already mentioned the shooting is the thing for me that I'm really like, whoa. Like, I don't know if the percentage will hold. I think it's pretty high right now. He was two for three against Detroit on Monday. We'll see where it ends up. I mean, I know that's one of the things coming in was like, you know, he's not that much of an upgrade as a shooter. He totally is. Like, he's actually a shooter. Like, he looks comfortable as a shooter. It's not – it's so much different. I know there's there's like this – small movement of like let's not let's not slander Eric Bledsoe every time we talk about Drew Holiday and I get it I do get it good guy for sure but it's just hard not to compare to what the Bucks have had for the last few years and Bledsoe's shooting is like so like it's like you kind of like half watching like between your fingers like oh god like how is this gonna turn up like where is it gonna go it's not like that with Drew. Like, he's a real shooter. His defense is, I mean, like, you called it the hell cage. It's ridiculous. Like, it's the next Saw movie that's going to be one of the punishments. Like, you have to dribble past the guy and or you, like, die. And it, that's it's going to be brutal. It's going to be R-rated. It, it's impossible. He's just so good. He's so comfortable. And I think it's kind of the opposite of the frenetic energy the Bucks are used to at point guard. Oh, I, I just can't talk enough. I mean, actually, I want to lob something to you. 
was it an overpay to get him? All things considered. Full stop. Was it an overpay? Well, however many picks it was. Okay, what well, what was the actual transaction? Because I don't remember. So it was, it was Bledsoe Hill and what? Three first round picks, two swaps. So let's be specific. The twenty fourth overall pick in twenty twenty. 2025 and 2027 unprotected, 2024, 2026 swaps. So the swaps start four years out. Yes. I guess that's not, mm, that's still a lot. But I mean, like he's going to sign the extension, right? Or that's the, that's yeah. the the rumor, the rumor is that is everyone that kind of assumes yeah, he's, he's going to sign the extension once he's eligible and like, Late February, I believe. Okay, so yeah, yeah, that that will make it more worth it, right? So it's like it's like you got like a three tier cake, right? Like the initial trade, not so great. It's like in the initial trade plus a Drew extension. Like okay, we're getting there. It's like initial trade, Drew extension, and like a finals appearance. Like okay, like yes, totally worth it. You do that trade every time. I think the third tier is the honest extension. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good point, actually. Because if you get a player of Drew's caliber and then they get to mesh a little bit and then you get Giannis signing that extension, I don't know. This is all like pure conjecture, but like who knows if Giannis actually signs that extension without Drew coming in? Because it was rumored yeah. that Giannis had like a list of players that he wanted to play with. And if Drew was on that list, then they completed the deal and Giannis signed the Supermax. Like it's, it's, it's hard to say those two are unrelated. So it's. It's not as really matter-of-fact as it was last season in L.A. uh, in terms of getting Kawhi uh, with trading for Paul George. I don't know if it's that really equivalent, but you can sort of equate them a little bit. So if you're overpaying for Drew, you're also getting Drew and Giannis for the next five years. Yeah, Yeah, you certainly need the Drew extension, but I think the roller coaster of reaction for me like kind of up, down, up. The up is like, oh, this is great. Well, of course, initially... It was Drew and he who shall not be named. It's like, oh, the Bucks are going to be great forever. Giannis is for sure signing. Like, I don't care about these 11-year-olds that are going to go 28th. <laughs> in tw- like, I don't give a damn. I, I don't care who goes 27th in 2025. Like, you get prime Giannis for five playoff runs until then. Like, it truly does not matter. And then, like, he doesn't sign for a while. And there's all the embarrassment with whatever the hell happened with he who shall not be named and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, God, if he, if Giannis goes, all of a sudden it's looking pretty bad. Like, the, I mean, still, I think it's, you got to just push all your chips in the table at that point. Like, it's such an inflection point, but it could be pretty bad. And then he signs and then I'm back to again. Like, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of draft capital to give up. I would guess. You would hope the swaps don't convey if Giannis is on the team the whole time and the picks are not good. And if that's the case, then you look back and just laugh because it's like a player of this caliber. If you can get him without giving up like any of your best three players, four players, really not counting Drew, um, not looking at how good Dante has become. It's like, well, of course, you kind of have to do it. And maybe it doesn't go that well. Maybe it does. But I think like the chance at it. Like, I mean, scared money don't make none, right? Like, you, you kind of have to roll the dice if you have the opportunity to do something like this. For me, it was always like, I didn't think they could get a player like this without losing Chris. And at that point, it's like, well, the player has to be pretty damn good to be worth giving him up. To keep Chris and get a player that good, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, how do you how do you not run that? I mean, it's this is the most high-level talent Giannis has played with. I think pretty easily since he's been in Milwaukee, since ever. So, yeah, like, go for it. 
but yeah. I, I, you also I, I talk to consider, everyone into yeah, this. There were also other teams, I'm sure, in pursuit of Drew Holiday. <laughs> yeah, I think the Sixers were reported to want him. Yeah, Brooklyn wanted him until the Harden thing became available. Thank you, James Harden. Uh, <laughs> Our savior. Yeah. What a weird yeah. turn of events. I mean, the other thing is, like, I, I'm a worst-case scenario guy. So, yeah. like, in the worst-case scenario, like, you, I don't know, you lose in the first round a bunch of times, and, like, Giannis is pissed, and he's like, trade me. It's like, the haul from trading Giannis whenever you end up having to do that in the worst-case scenario, which probably won't happen, will, like, more than make up for the fact that you've got swaps, like, seven years out. Yeah, and even, like, assuming the extension gets done, you're going to get something for Drew, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Both so, of those guys will still be useful players in four years. Yeah. I, I want to throw another one to you, Laz. Do you think this Bucks team can win the title this year? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, it is still really early. Like, I've watched, like, maybe, like, four or five Phoenix Suns games, and I'm like, this team is, like, this is a Western <laughs> Conference Finals team. This team is amazing. <laughs> and so, and we're still in that kind of, like, stage of the season where anything can happen. The godforsaken Knicks are, like, above 500 right now, right? Like, Looking good. Looking fun, too. Contract yeah, like, your Julius Randle. Ooh. <laughs> Won't someone buy in on that? Um, Maybe the Knicks again. <laughs> <laughs> is he a CAA guy? Is He's a Kentucky a guy. Oh, there you oh, go. That's true. That's true. That's that's half of the battle right there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, could this team win the championship? Absolutely. You have Giannis and Chris and Drew Holiday. Like, yes, you can totally win the championship. Um, like, will they? I uh, I don't know. We I have liked the adjustments we've seen out of Budenholzer so far this year. Um, I, I like the fact that the roster is essentially like contracted in a way to force him to play <laughs> more minutes with his best guys. Um, but in like in the end, and I, I mean, you know, we talk, we talked a lot about Drew Holiday and how that's an upgrade over what you were having at point guard last year. Um, you know, we talked, or like we haven't really actually talked about Giannis to say that other uh, say that he was like completely unstoppable against the Pistons, which is true. But I I do like the additional playmaking that you guys have mentioned this year. I think that's a really big step for him, um, as far as like skill from a from a skill perspective. Uh, Chill he, out, James. He he never needs to he never needs to like shoot off the dribble threes if he's just uh, passing out of double teams to the correct person all the time. It's like right. you, you can make that work. Um, but it it depends, I guess, on the the quality of opponent you face, right? Like, is uh, and you've split you split the subway series with Miami, like that's still a weird matchup for uh, for Milwaukee. Um, the Sixers, I know, I like, I feel, I feel so dirty being like the Sixers <laughs> look really good after after last year, <laughs> but the Sixers look they look pretty good. Um, you know, I've, we got a really close look at Boston. Boston is like Boston is still very clearly like missing some stuff, but Jalen Brown is much much better than he was last year, and Jason Tatum is only like a little bit better than he was last year. And like those two guys can absolutely like leave you uh, wanting, and they can leave you uh, a tough matchup in a conference final situation. And so like yeah, you guys can absolutely win the title, but uh, it'll it'll just be tricky. Who do you think is coming out of the East? That might be a trickier question. That is a trickier question. Uh, I mean, like, if you made me bet right now, yes, 
I would <laughs> I would lean if you made me bet right now, I would lean Philly. Ooh. Oh. I, so I like the Bucks' chances against Philly, actually. Yeah. Have I you... like that matchup for Milwaukee. I just they've dominated it lately, and I know it's a much different team that makes a lot more sense now. I'm just confident. I just am. I think if there's one guy I feel really good about Brooke Lopez guarding, it's Embiid. Like, I think that's the one guy. Like, he's not going to get stretched to hell and have to run across a bunch of stuff. I think he can hold up. I think just the Bucks are so good inside. It's gonna. It's really tough for, for Simmons. If Tobias Harris can actually be a consistent, like, the guy he was well, paid to be, basically, and, and that's, that's a different what makes team. Me, that's what makes me pick them right now is because he looks like – he looks like – uh, a positive value yeah. on that max level size deal, which is uh, an insanely uh, good bit of coaching from Doc Rivers to bring out the best in your guys like that. And so, like, if he's a legitimately like looking like a second star, and it pushes Ben offensively to like a, a tertiary role, like that's a much more balanced, much more better team. Much more better, God. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that worries me about Philly, not in terms of the Bucks' perspective, but just in general for Philly, is that while they are looking really good, it's a lot on the defensive end. There's a lot left to be desired still offensively. I think that comes with the roster and like your two best players currently, I guess, technically being Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. That's always going to be there. There's going to be some offensive struggles. Is that always going to translate into the playoffs? Like, are they always going to struggle offensively in the playoffs? Who knows? We just have to wait and see. We didn't see Ben in the bubble in terms of the postseason. So who knows? Maybe those two can figure it out. But it, I think Simmons at like 13 or 14 points per game so far this year. And obviously it doesn't, it's not everything. But it, that's always one of those. He's always lower than I think he's going to be just based on how good he is and like how many skills he has. Obviously, you know, one sorely lacking. Yeah. Well, I mean. It doesn't help from a points per game perspective if you don't shoot threes and you don't make a lot of free throws. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard scoring a lot when you can't score. Yeah, I mean, hey, Giannis makes it work with those same <laughs> same limitations, so it is possible. Um, I, I want I want to throw another Pistons question your way, Les. But I, Rohan, do you have any what, what what stands out to you about the Pistons? I feel like I've gotten a lot of all the Pistons questions. Um, let's see here. In terms of the actual Pistons, well, I will say the one thing I did mention about the Pistons in my haiku recap of the game. Those are back, by the way, everyone. Uh, is I, I guess so we'll see if I commit to it. Uh, those Pistons, they just would not die. They wouldn't die. They were down, like, what was the max lead? Like, 20-something? or maybe yeah, something like that. Maybe yeah. just under 20. And they just would not go away. And that was with, like, sort of a depleted roster at this point. Like, you, Killian Hayes went down. Josh Jackson wasn't there. Blake Griffin, no. Can this team actually, if they get, you know, things sort of going in terms of, like, a healthy, complete roster... Are they actually going to be a team that's not really like, okay, we're just going to tank? So, no, <laughs> but I think you have, like, you, I'm glad you brought that up because that is the type of, like, mentality and ethos the team is trying to install, right? They are, so it, because, because they didn't maximize all their assets, like we talked about earlier, like, the, what, they're trying to do is they're trying to tank but they're trying to tank losing every game by seven instead of 15 right um 
and you know it doesn't sound like a lot they'll probably cover a, a lot so if you if you're a gambling person you can bet on hey. the uh, bet on the pistons points taking the points but uh yeah i think like having having a lot of rookies who, of high character having a lot of guys who just like fight to the finish um having dudes who just like play hard <laughs> i think is uh something that will pay dividends like later in the season when there are a lot more teams who are like eh, we've played 50 games already like we are kind of where we are we're flying into detroit on a tuesday like this will be fine and then you get smacked in the mouth right yeah and like that's not is that going to like be enough to uh not be like one of the four worst teams in the league like probably not Actually, definitely not. Definitely not. They're really bad. <laughs> offense, you, just have to, you just have to be tenth to get to the play-in. Uh, no, I don't think Laz wants that this year. Yeah, no, this is not. I don't know if you guys have seen the uh, the draft. This is not the year <laughs> to yeah. be in the play. Get yourself an Evan Mobley and then go for the play-in next year. <laughs> Basically, but yeah, no. But uh, they want dudes who come in and work hard in practice and play hard during games and like fight through mental mistakes and don't give up on defense and they brought in those guys and so far it's worked they they are a really bad team but they haven't been like blown out yet they lost uh they beat boston they they beat boston i think their worst loss of the season is actually the minnesota game where like everything fell apart down the stretch um and that was the first game of the season it's just like they hadn't figured out some stuff yet um but yeah like if if they lose, they're going to lose a lot of games by like seven or fewer points this year, and they'll still count as losses. But they <laughs> they look great in your net rating, right? Yeah, I was going to say net rating kings. I will say, I mean, you mentioned you know the whatever asset usage versus like culture. The Miami Heat made that bet, and it worked out really really well, right? Like I I do think there's a case to be made that especially online, there is an overemphasis even a a fetishizing of assets, second round picks and trade exceptions. That stuff is good. I mean, you need it, of course, to an extent, but like Miami was like the team that didn't have any of that and ha ha heat culture, who cares? And old man Pat Riley and his dumb rings and all of a sudden like I don't think anyone said dumb rings. Huh? I don't think anyone said dumb rings. I think people made fun of the whole that the the often talked about like every time there's a meeting he pulls out all the rings and throws them on the table there's definitely like some like will will he lay out the rings in front of Dion waiters jokes (laughs) right right exactly um and all of a sudden like bam is bam and they're developing all these guys and jimmy butler's there and it's like hey maybe culture is good and i think right now i think the Cavs are making that bet based on what i we're obviously you know especially laz and i over affiliated with the chase down boys and um just talking to them and, and seeing them retweet and talk about the team they're going for culture like that's the thing that they're emphasizing and i think around the league it's sort of and maybe front office is always new but i think at least for me it's becoming more apparent how important that stuff is so i think it's easy to you know talk about the net rating or you know pippin or whatever the hell of the guys that gave up and lost and whatever but you know, there's real people in real locker rooms who play the real games, and the culture stuff matters. And building a good culture is super important. And that's like how you, when you get the good rookies and good players, how you don't waste those seasons. I think is is capitalizing on those things. Yeah, yeah. that's I mean, right. like I ask will, like yeah. Stephen Silas how much culture mm. matters. Yep, <laughs> yes. I, I will not to- tolerate the Pippum slander, friend of the pod, Grangis. Yeah, um, I'm just. 
nothing against Pippen or Cranjus. I just I don't like single number metrics. I'm not a fan. Um, I I know I sound like the boomer on the pot, but I don't care. I have a quick hitting question for you about the Pistons, Les. Sure. Is Derrick Rose on the team after the trade deadline? I think so. He... He's never leaving. Everyone, I think everyone in like the the general NBA sphere is like, oh, how long until they get a bad first for Derrick Rose? And it still hasn't happened. It's kind of interesting to me. Yeah, he likes being here, which is weird. I think so. Like he has a relationship with Arn Tellum, who's on the mm. business side of things now, but like used to be one of the uh, really high power agents around the NBA. Um, I think honestly, I think he likes kind of being out of the spotlight and getting yeah. to do whatever he wants. Um, I don't think he would like the, uh, 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 actually, okay. I've never, I've never like spoken to Derek Rose. I'm not going to play like amateur yeah, psychologist, yeah, yeah. but he, he, he likes it here. He likes it here. Um, he has taken a real, uh, like vet leadership initiative on like mentoring Killian Hayes, which is like really useful. Uh, what did he say? He told he told uh, like he said during media week. He's like Killian's like two inches taller than him. He's like I'm a dinosaur now. It's like all these like <laughs> six five point guards are coming into the league. They're just like doing everything that I can't, and it's like my job to teach him the stuff that like I can do. And it's like yeah, I'll I'll definitely take that. Um, he's been nothing but like a great like mentor uh, uh, for guys on the team, and the team in. Uh, for their part, isn't like a great job of keeping him healthy, right? Like they've done a great job limiting his minutes, uh, just like using him strategically in bursts to uh, get the most out of him and like keep him playing because he's no good to anybody if he tweaks an ankle. Yeah, and like so he, like, he yeah, was I doing think... that against Milwaukee until uh, Drew Holiday came back in the game, but <laughs> he, he was a big part of them uh, coming back in this game against Milwaukee last night. Twenty-four yeah. points, eight assists, and twenty-five minutes. It helps that he can play with all the other nice things about mentoring. It helps that he's still really good, and they they need people to put the the ball in the basket. But yeah, I think that's interesting. I don't feel like a lot of people wouldn't expect, for varying some very very fair reasons, for you know Rose to be that kind of step up mentor. But it's good to see him making the most of that. I want to yeah. ask about one. Oh, go ahead. No, I was I was gonna say like when you think about like the career path he's had. Right. Like he's never won a championship, obviously, but he's already kind of been at like the highest points you can be as a player in the NBA. And it, he's not there anymore. And so I think he realizes like, hey, like this is who I am now. I'm cool with that. And I wonder it's if him and Blake just have like long talks. So, so <laughs> Blake had a Blake had a uh, feature in The New York Times. I don't know if you guys saw that. Um, did not. I didn't either. He talked a lot about how he still wanted to win like he wanted to play for a championship and he didn't really talk a whole lot about how he was gonna do that in detroit (laughs) understandably and so uh i think blake is uh, more ready to leave than derrick rose (laughs) okay uh i have a quick hitting question for you Laz, as well justify the mason Plumley deal without mentioning killian hayes (laughs) you played me dirty wrong (laughs) Uh, Aaron Baines got seven million. Serge Ibaka got nine million. Uh, Nerlens Noel got like what, like four and a half million dollars. Didn't Boban get seven per from the Pistons? Wasn't it a few years ago? Yeah, Boban got seven, got three for twenty-one. Understand Van Gundy to be the third string center, and I don't know if I'll ever <laughs> forgive him for that. Uh, wait, who, who? Somebody? There's like one other free agent center that got like a decent chunk of change. 
Uh, Tristan Thompson got full mid level, yeah. right? Full yeah. yeah, full mid level for Boston to play next to Daniel Tice in the starting lineup. Like, come on. So like, after after spending in excess of twenty five million dollars a year for Andre Drummond, like <laughs> I refuse to be mad about any center making less than ten million dollars on my roster. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, he's fine. I, I just think it's like it's funny. Just and there were more big men on the team. I think when the contract came out, very he's true. fine. He's is what he is. I, yeah. I just love that. On like, if you're looking at the triple double stats that make it up, at first I was like, oh, he was kind of close to one in just 20 minutes. He had eight boards and six assists, only four points for Mason Plumlee. But hey, it's it's good teammate. What yeah. Mahai Luke? I feel like he's actually kind of good. He is. Uh, I'm interested in him. He struggled. You can't have him. He's ours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think they would. Act, I didn't think the Bucks would get him. I'm interested in him as a player. I would oh, okay. also take him, but I don't think it's happening. Yeah, he he would actually be a really good fit for you guys, just because he's just a, a dead eye shooter. He started the season cold. I think he started like two for eighteen from three. Which Playing was the rough. Bucks usually helps. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he's broken out of it lately. Um, he's in line. I think this is his. Uh, He's extension eligible, and mm. I think like his restricted free agency year is coming up. He shot over or very very close to forty percent from three on like pretty decent volume. Um, every year he's been in the rotation. Uh, it looks like he will do that this year, and like shooters get paid right. Like yeah. Joe Harris got a bunch of money, and he is like a he's a, a great shooter and like pretty good at some other stuff. Davis Bertans got a lot of money, and like all he does is shoot. Right, he's big. He is big, but yes, yes. But if you don't use the bigness for anything, but getting <laughs> off clean shots, like come on, it's fair. Use yeah. the bigness. That's amazing. <laughs> he's got a point. He's not wrong. No, it's it's fantastic. <laughs> like. Duncan Robinson is about to get like oh yeah oh he's like, gonna uh, get paid he's gonna get super paid because if for no other reason like somebody will like just want him off the heat right and somehow he'll have a team option <laughs> not if he was signing with the Bucks he wouldn't oh yeah. yeah they'd give him like three player options every year <laughs> but but yeah you you are right to like Svi and uh, I. Uh, the Jacks, the Josh Jackson thing actually kind of opened up a roster or rotation minutes for him uh, before like Sadiq Bay kind of forced his way in there. And so they're doing and DeLon Wright is like still hanging around. He didn't. I think like the plan last night wasn't for DeLon was for DeLon like not to play at all for some reason because they didn't hmm. use him until Killian got hurt. But uh, like it's just the Pistons have a lot of wing dudes that they want looks at. And that's uh, he's definitely one of them as long as he keeps shooting 40 percent from three. Do you think Wayne Ellington is going to be out the door at some point? Oh, yeah. Maybe totally. open up minutes for Mihailuk? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, they. I was surprised Wayne, he was on the team. They brought in Wayne so late, and it was like, you could see, like, the coaching staff just, like, looking at the roster and being like, okay, okay, okay. Like, we got, we got, we got some, we got, like, we shipped out these centers. We only got three centers. That's good. <laughs> we got point guard minutes for Killian. That's good. It's like, Blake and Jeremy, we'll figure that out. That's, that's not sure. It's like, oh. It's like, we don't have any guys who can shoot. <laughs> it's like let's bring back Wayne. <laughs> when was the last time Wayne Ellington wasn't available? Right? Like I feel like no matter what happens for either like as a buyout guy, trade guy, literally as a free agent in free agency, just Wayne Ellington's best skill. I mean he's a good shooter. Availability. He, Everyone he, feels like you can obtain Wayne Ellington. He was on the Knicks and he like wasn't even playing. He's just like he's like, hey, it's like if you need shooting, he's like the Knicks is like, hey, like we'll take a second round pick, please. Pretty please. <laughs> 
Nothing came. Oh, man. That's fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, well, I want to, oh, I to ask you guys about. I want to ask you guys a buck, a Bucks question though. Yeah, of course. Are you are you getting a little worried about the back half of that Brook Lopez deal? Uh, I'm not there yet. No, I'm not. Go I'm ahead, not really. Go ahead. I'm not really go there ahead. yet. He's the way he plays. It's not really see unless he's like completely cannot move anymore. He can still play the role that he plays. He can be a solid rim protector. He's he's very intelligent defender. And hey, if he just learned how to shoot like three seasons ago, I think he can carry it on for a couple more years. Like unless unless there's a way that he becomes completely completely unplayable, I I don't really see I don't really see an avenue for that happening. For me, it's still like he was so good against Miami, and it's like not that long ago, just a couple months ago. and I just like he's looked iffy early. Again, same stuff I say. He's such a streaky else. guy too. He, he's always been a streaky guy, and I just think he's kind of like, like I wouldn't want him to go at full bore to start the season. Like he's played less than twenty three minutes per game so far. Um, part of that is they're working in a lot more Bobby Portis. But one nice thing is he actually is hitting his threes again, at least early thirty eight point five percent. I think they're getting him some better looks. Not all of his threes have been like. 45 feet away trailing threes, which those are nice for gravity's sake, but they're not great for your three point percentage if you're not named Curry. Um, so it's nice to see him get some better looks, but like shooting splits wise, he's still making 50 plus percent of his twos, 38 percent of his threes. Like I mentioned, he's looked a little bit slower on defense, but again, I, I really do think part of it is like early portion of a long season with a lot of back-to-backs and, and, you know, everything else very condensed, no camp, just had this bubble. I'm not worried yet. Um, I, I think, what, how many years does he have? Is it three? Yeah, this this and two more years. Like, if he's still good for at least two more years and you get one year where it's kind of like, eh, it's kind of worth it just based it's on fine. the fact that, yeah. I mean, they paid him $3.3 million for that first year when they lit the league on fire with him being the, the deep bomber. So if he was, like, just bad now, it would be a big-time problem, obviously. But I just, I'm just i still very confident that when he needs to, he can turn it on. And he had a couple of very good games. I think it's just going to be off and on until until the playoffs. I mean, the shot, I think, is always off and, and he, on. And he's always a big-time player performer. Yeah. He always shows up. Yeah, so I, um, I, no, um, I, I don't think he's going to be as good as he was like over the last two years by the end of it. But it's kind of like one of those where you kind of go, okay, it's, it happens. That's why the heir apparent Bobby Portis is on the team. That's what I was going to say. Like, uh, <laughs> Bobby, do you guys want to know my favorite play from the Pistons game, the Bucks Pistons game? I do. Game? Go so, for it. do you guys remember Giannis's putback dunk? Yes. So, which one? It was. Uh, what, did he have multiple? <laughs> I think it, I remember one in particular. It felt like he had like 12. <laughs> there was a lot of dunks. <laughs> so he had a big putback dunk. Uh, I can't remember when it was, but it was... I thought Dante had missed a shot. If I No, remember it wasn't right, Dante. I, uh, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> so it was because Bobby Portis was facing up on the baseline, and Bud was just on the sideline. You can see him just motioning the honest before Bobby Portis even took the shot. Just crash, crash, <laughs> crash the board. And then he comes back because Bobby Portis misses the shot. And he gets a giant putback dunk. <laughs> That's I'm great. Just, he's just I'm waving just... his hand like, come to the rim, please. Because he knew Bobby was going to shoot that. And miss. You almost always do. 
Um, Bobby Portis, his credit, more than one assist per game so far for all the times he shoots, which is way more than Brooke Lopez when they played the same minutes per game so far. Bobby Portis is not great. He is not a great player, but man, is he entertaining. I think I do think he's good. He's uh, good. He's fine. Yeah. He's good. He's not like an all-star or anything, but like he's just, it's entertaining. He's yes. averaging 10 points a game? Yeah, he gets yes. shots up. Oh, yeah. Okay. 38% from deep, 10 and 7 in less than 23 minutes, plus one assist, 0.6 steals, 0.7 blocks. Just my man Bobby, he plays. He does stuff. And I think the Bucks bench, like their reserves, sorely needed that. Because even George Hill, who was like, you know, a, a fringe six man of the year candidate, was like, there were just games where he didn't do enough stuff. Like, too timid. Yeah, he's just like, he's going to take like four open threes and make two of them probably. But that's still just six points. And like, Sometimes it would be less than that. And I don't like Bobby's not going to make every jumper for sure. He's going to do some stuff though. <laughs> Something's going to happen. It might not go great. Mostly it's gone pretty well. Uh, the defense is what it is. I don't, it, whatever it, it happens. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to be good, I, but I don't know about that. He'll uh, attempt to learn. <laughs> yes. There you go. He might well, fit in with the scheme better as we go. But I was going to say like, can he, can he learn to stay near the rim and be tall? Like we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Use that bigness. And hopefully, yeah, as long as he does more with his bigness, then. <laughs> yeah, use the bigness. <laughs> gotta use the bigness better than uh, Bertans. Um, uh, oh, how do you guys feel about the, the Subway series, the back to back games at home for teams? I, I mean, I think it's it's neat, but it's just like, I think it's hard to win both of them, and I, it kind of frustrates the fans sometimes, I feel like. Because you get such like wild discrepancies. Take the, take the Buck series against Miami. You get a franchise record for made threes and sorry nba record for yeah. made threes in the game you blow them out by like what was it 40 or yeah, something like over 50 at one point ended up being 40 something and then you come back the next day and it's like okay you, you got beat <laughs> it's it's I, just it's wild regressions yeah i think there just has to be a big disparity for it not to for like the games not to be split most of the time just because like Nobody wants to lose to the same team twice in a row. And then I've, I've seen like, oh, it's just like the playoffs. But it's not, though. I mean, players on both teams aren't going to get up for the games the same unless it's a rare circumstance. I, it, I, personally, like as a viewer experience, I kind of like it. And I think it is fun to watch, like get get more exposure to other teams. I feel like you have to know the team, the other teams a little bit better. But, yeah, I do think it's just it's so hard to, to sweep them. What are your thoughts, Les? I was going to make the playoff point, but I was thinking more about it as the playoffs for coaches, right? Yeah. The yes. to, you very rarely during the regular season get the chance to like sit down and like make adjustments to what you're doing for a specific opponent. And if you play them twice in a row, like you have a couple days to do that. And so you get those, get those coaching reps in, you know, and I think that's something that uh, showing flexibility and adaptability is something you guys have critiqued boot bud for. Yeah, And so, like, getting more opportunities to show how that's possible during the regular season, probably a good thing. Now, like, for us, it just means that, like, we get stomped twice in a row most nights, but, <laughs> uh, you know, less travel and stuff yeah. like that. But uh, but I, it's been it's been interesting. I, I hope the experiment continues, especially if, if we find that, like, it severely uh, curtailed, like, all the travel that these guys have to do. It's and I feel wild. Like, it's almost like messing with everyone's circadian rhythms in such an extreme measure is bad. Who would have thought? Yeah, yeah, right. Well, I know, Laz, you're a big league watcher. What do you think about that point of, like, the interest of getting to watch, you know, other teams twice in a row if you're just even mostly watching Pistons games? 
Hmm, that's a good question. I I try to hop around yeah. unless I like find something I like. But like you know, like I watched like both uh, Golden State Portland games, right? And those those felt like two very very different games. Yeah. And f- so from like a viewing perspective, as, as a guy who like I got no like analytical stake in either of these teams, it's like I just it's like you wonder like what. Mm, like which team is real? Like which which version mm-hmm. of the Warriors is real? Is it the version where like Kelly Oubre like can't make anything and like James Wiseman is like lost in space, or is it the version where Steph is scoring sixty? Like who's to say? <laughs> Even um, in that that specific example, you get to what you were saying in terms of coaching adjustments. Like it's wild that actually putting the ball in Steph Curry's hands leads to good things, but you can see that sort of change happen. Right. It took them what like two weeks to figure that out. First Wild, we have one good player. Let's give him the ball. Rohan shouldn't throw stones in glass houses. That's just everyone else has taken these shots at Steve Kerr. I'm like, hey, Bud's adjusting this back. year, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride this wave. Just say we got. Uh, you know, I was just thinking, it's kind of funny that that Bucks Pistons game, like. Maybe the Pistons steal that one if we don't get staggering for the whole game, right? Like, yeah, no, for a, sure. If, because if, if you get the full bench lineup out there, that that team is getting cooked. Derrick Rose hanging up fifty points in fourteen minutes or something. <laughs> yeah, Bryn no. Forbes is like gasping for air. DJ Augustine is like <laughs> crying on the court, and Bud's like, "You guys got this, man." Like, <laughs> you no, know, just like Bryn Forbes taking like eighteen footers off DHOs. Uh, oh my goodness! It's like yes, that severely lowered Bryn Forbes' stock. It really killed. It literally did hurt his stock. Yeah, in the I know. Buck's stock market. Yeah, I do, yeah. Um, it it killed me even more. I think I gave, I think I was firm in giving him the down stock out of spite when later that same game, he drives to the rim and like converts a nice layup off a very similar look of like getting off the three point line and then picking what to do. I was like, you could have done that the whole time, Bryn. Come on. <laughs> well, I still like his skill set, but gotta, you yeah. can't get got to get the pop out of you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I also seriously. think it's good for rookies. Right, like young dudes, it's like okay, you guys didn't execute what we asked you to do against this team, so this <laughs> time we're gonna try it again. See, we're gonna try some. We're gonna try it again. See exact same guys. It's like just follow the scheme. Well, especially if it's gonna be like if there's some rest stuff going on for one of the games, I feel like that's always a great chance to get them to play more. Yeah, and I think just this season in general, I think we might see more of that with the more back to backs, more three and four nights, um, more players so yeah, not available. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the three and four nights has been crazy. This is like already our like second three and four nights. We've played like seven games. It doesn't make any sense. I think somehow the Bucks had was it five between our preview pod and our first season pod yep. in like they eight had, days. Yeah, <laughs> at five games. I was like, oh my days. god! <sighs> it's it on Christmas, right? That was yep. it. yeah, yeah. Okay, two yeah. days before Christmas, Christmas, and then a bunch more times, <laughs> uh, including a Nick shellacking, but. We, yeah, we're we not gonna talk about I, that game. See, if I was, if I didn't like you guys, I would definitely have asked about that. But I like you guys, so I'm I, not going I to. will admit, I did not watch that game to its full extent, and I'm glad I didn't. See, I praised you for that, but I'm also salty about it. And I talked myself into two different comebacks in that game. Felt stupid. I, oh, I, I saw your tweets later. I was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I know. After I just had so much sauce after I called the Miami seeding game comeback that now I'll try to do it sometimes and. Like I lost some heat off my fastball with calling comebacks. I'm I'm oh for three so far this season on my patented I've seen them win these calls. It's it's not going you well. You just gotta so throw far. them out every game and then delete it when it doesn't happen. 
shoot or shoot. I was thinking you got to go change up and be like, I've seen them lose these. Like, they could totally lose this game to the Pistons. It's like, oh, wait, okay, no, we're good. Thanks, guys. Maybe I should do that every game if I'm, if I'm going to keep being wrong. Like, at least I can try to help the team in my own way. Or just say both. <laughs> just tweet both every game. At tip. I've seen them win these. I've seen them lose these. Haven't seen them tie these. Oh, man. That'd be fun. I don't, I don't know, man. We played a double overtime game against Cleveland that I felt like nobody won that game. <laughs> was that, no who, was the, who was the – oh, no, it was Boston. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we, we beat Boston. Thank you. That's so fun. It, it it gets more fun, and no offense to you or the Pistons. I guess it's probably good in the, the Cade hunt. But, like, the more games they go where they have one win and the one win is Boston, the more fun that one win is. <laughs> no, I agree. And it was even funnier because, uh, like, you could hear you could hear Marcus Smart on the final shot, like, tell Grant Williams, like, no, like, we need a three. And Grant Williams is, like, tapping it up against the backboard trying to tap it in. He's <laughs> like, oh, you guys blew it to the Pistons. Great job, guys. Good job, Boston. <laughs> uh, that's, that's beautiful. That's amazing. Is it? I Rohan, think it might be it time? time. It might is be it time. time. So, Ooh, yeah, let's do it. So, are you familiar with the Choose Your Fighter segment, Laz? If not, uh, this is a sort of newish. We've been doing this for a little while now, actually, Ty. Like five episodes. Not super long. It's like a month. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, we alternate. Way to shame Laz for not, not being a dedicated. Wow, Rohan, taking shots. I didn't say it. I didn't even give him a chance <laughs> to answer. That's <laughs> true. So. <laughs> We, we do this thing, so we alternate Ty and I every week. We ask uh, a question. Like, we give a couple options. doesn't have to be related to anything really specifically, and you just have to choose an answer. Like, choose your fighter out of these three and, like, rank whatever. Okay, I can do that. So, uh, I have a weird thing in doing build-ups for these for some reason. Uh, <laughs> so, so, it's actually a little bit related to news in the NBA this week. I but, was really worried, given that we're recording this on Tuesday night, that it was like national news, and I was like, "Please God, no, no, no." <laughs> <laughs> um, so, expansion might be on the horizon. Ooh, ooh, I like this question already. So, I think they're saying the bidding is going to start at like two and a half billion dollars or something for a new franchise because they want to offset uh, COVID losses, the NBA does. So if I asked you guys simply which city, you guys would probably say Seattle. Yeah. So Seattle is not an option. I'm going to ask you guys to choose between Vancouver, Kansas City, and Mexico City. Ooh, Three leaving... different countries. I yes. love it. Yeah. Leaving Vegas off. I like that too. I choose Vancouver. Okay. Vancouver has a previous history of having an NBA franchise. Um, you'll always be secondary to hockey, but that's fine. Um, Vancouver is like a super duper wealthy city. And so like a team there will be worth a lot of money. And so I think the NBA would have, I think the owners would have a lot of interest in having another like super rich team in uh, in a giant Western uh, coast city. And from what I hear, it's really nice. I would I would like to visit Vancouver occasionally when uh, everything is uh, over. So yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Vancouver. Okay, Ty. I almost ah, I I'm really like I don't want to just to like spice up the the pod choices, but right away when you said it, I was like, basically no matter what cities he says from here, unless Oshkosh is one of them, out of pure convenience for me, I I kind of am gonna take Vancouver. All the reasons Laz says, it's apparently very very affluent. 
like they didn't have awful turnout when the Vancouver Grizzlies were there. I think it was like a bad owner situation and and a bunch of other stuff that probably wouldn't happen anymore, but stuff just happened in the 90s. Um, So I think the team would do well. I think it would be more of a, a fun market. Mexico City would be fun. I just think... Like the league is, pro- I think, trying to test the viability of that with some G League stuff. Like they've had some games there. I think they've had NBA games there. Weren't they going to have a team there? The, they the were Pistons going played to. there last year. Yeah, yeah, they were going to have a a G League team. I don't think it was Mexico City. I don't remember the exact name of the team, but like the whole G League is just on pause mode right now. So yeah. who the hell knows? I, I don't yeah. think it's happening anytime soon. Um, it would be very interesting, but I think. It would be challenging. I think it's like even higher elevation than Denver. Yeah, it is. right. Like it's so in that sense, it's like all the Denver teams kind of have this weird inherent advantage of playing in Colorado. It might be even more pronounced in Mexico City. Um, I think Vancouver would be neat. Kansas City, like it's tough. I mean, I just think it's so tough. Besides Seattle and like a few other cities, to pick many cities that don't have NBA teams that really should like. I mean, San Diego, I would even find a little bit more interesting. Like, I think there would be a little bit of a hunger, especially since they lost the Chargers. Kawhi is signing there for sure. Yeah, Kawhi is there for <laughs> sure. No question. Or he'll sign somewhere else and just live there anyway, like he does now. Um, I don't know. Like, Kansas City, I would have to see, like, such a strong movement in Kansas City, like we see in Seattle, for them to get a team. Like, I feel like you just need to be, like, overwhelmingly, like, proving that you will really support it. Because nobody wants a truly awful like market situation right and i'm not even gonna take shots anywhere but yeah all this to say vancouver sorry other cities yeah. and countries Miami's, Kansas city yeah. also doesn't like really fix the geography issue with <laughs> the, the west and the east like uh, like memphis is pretty far east to be in the west minnesota is pretty far east to be in the west Kansas City is just like slightly west of Minnesota. I mean, Ooh. like I know, like south, it's southwest, obviously, but it's like it's not, it's not that much farther west than Minnesota. Uh, when they were talking, Sam and uh, Sam Esfandiari was talking about this on Twitter today, and just like looking at a map of like where all the NBA teams are. The NBA could like really, really use a team in like Montana. Like <laughs> I know that I know there's nothing no, in Montana. I know that basically be like. A, uh, like a team that's like subsidized by like the other like 31 owners well, or they whatever. They might sign me. Yeah, but like geogra- <laughs> but like Montana's beautiful and like geographically it just like breaks up the distance between like Minnesota and Portland and Seattle and like Denver and Seattle and uh you know Minnesota and Phoenix. Like it just it it breaks up the long plane ride that you got to go anytime you leave Minnesota to go west or leave Portland and go east so nicely. It's like the, the like we should really just like coalesce those four states and like make a someone put like a university in Billings or something. We could have a city. So recently, I actually did just for like fun. I should probably share this now that this is like a real story. I kind of missed that it was, but I I added two teams and figured like what would be ideal divisions if there was expansion. And I we get them sponsored like hockey. (laughs) That would be fun, Um, as long as we get a cut. Um, But. So I I guessed it would be Vegas and Seattle, but you could certainly do Vancouver instead and switch it a little bit. But here's what I came up with. So Minnesota is the team that comes east. I think it makes makes way more sense. You mentioned Memphis is also pretty far east, but at least it's close to Texas. Like That's why I think Minnesota, if they add two teams in the west, has to be the one team that moves because it's like so far from the other west teams, whereas Memphis at least has Texas. So 
Seattle, Portland, Sacramento, Utah as like the northeast one. Then Golden State, the LA teams, and Vegas. Then Denver, Phoenix, OKC, and Memphis. Then Dallas, San Antonio, Houston, New Orleans as kind of not perfect, but definitely more regional than we have now. What I love about this is when you come to the East, you basically get the you do get the NFC North teams in one division in basketball, which I think would be cool. Minnesota, Milwaukee, Chicago, Detroit, then the whatever other teams in the Northeast bracket of Toronto, Cleveland, Indiana, Washington. I don't know. Um, Boston, New York, Brooklyn, Philly would be fun, and then there's Atlanta, Charlotte, Orlando, Miami, because those are the Southeast teams. I don't know. I think it'd be neat. Yeah, the, it makes the most the, sense. It does make more sense, and like the the DC, Boston, Brooklyn, New York division, where like you basically just take a bus everywhere. Yeah, is right. Like that that's a pretty fun division. Yeah, I think the worst one is probably the Toronto, Cleveland, Indiana, Washington, but I feel like it's that's fine. I don't think it's terrible. It's doable. I mean, yeah. Is there a good team in any of those? Indiana looks kind of good. That's fair. Cleveland. Cleveland's good. <laughs> Indiana's feisty. Yeah, Indiana's yeah, feisty. I mean, Cleveland's feisty. The other two suck. So <laughs> you're loving the Toronto. Oh, I, I, also, I love it. As an as an aside, like I, I've seen people be like, you move Memphis because they have John. It's so fun. I don't think you should make these decisions based on who's on no, rosters right no, now. No, because these change. These are decade long decisions you're making. Yeah, for, that's very yeah. true. But like, I need more job versus Trey matchups like you got to make that okay, happen that's like compelling. three times a year <laughs> not just like once a year just build it into the cba for the next half decade anyway you it's just like, have what? to have job versus Trey. it's like yeah just you know hey all-star weekend just have those guys like playing 21 like why not let's see it <laughs> they hate each other it's it, so clear it'd be better than most of the current all-star stuff we they're get. never gonna do it because then they're gonna worry about they didn't even televise the freaking all-star draft because they were worried about who would get picked last do you think they're gonna have people get embarrassed on national tv well they do it now at least right yeah that's fair but that's it's fair it's also like i don't know i doubt they would ever have a 21 thing i yeah. love when the guys act excited about the last like oh i can't believe Demontis sabonis fell to me you're gonna regret this one lebron <laughs> It's just a personal thing. I mean, of it's mine just going to be LeBron Giannis dress for the next like five years anyway. So it's like... <laughs> that's true. I thought it was raw. What like when they had Kevin Hart do the intros and he was like he didn't know who Goran Dragic was. Yeah, like, that was just, okay. That was that just, was cruel. That was that just was disrespectful. Cruel. Honestly, yeah. NBA do still better. not great at marketing the product. No, that's the only All Star team that Goran's probably ever going to make. And he had his whole, like, entire family there from Slovenia, I think. Right. And then you're having Kevin Hart introduce him like that. It's the biggest fair. moment of the man's life. Yeah, I don't know if he or his family know who Kevin Hart is, so That's might be Does a... any, what happened to Kevin Hart? Did he go down with Quibi? Uh, you know what? I'm not going to ask questions because I'm enjoying it better this way. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot is the answer. Rohan, what's your what's your answer to the Choose Your Fighter? Mexico City. Really? Just well, for I chaos? Fought. or Not even for chaos. If you market that team right, it's amazing. That's true. There's just like... If you if you put a team in Vancouver, unfair or not, they're going to get lumped in with like they're going to get marketed the same way Toronto does. So not at oh, all. That's yeah. fair. Because like they're going to just be another Canadian team. If you do a team in Mexico City and market it right, that could be insane. I don't know. It'd be it'd be a lot of fun if you can get the branding right. I think you have to it, take it, great care to get the branding right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> They've got time. 
please, NBA, consult with slash hire people from Mexico to do that. Yes. Please, please, please. please. <laughs> please. You have to do it right. Don't let LeBron near there. <laughs> what is that? Uh, you know what day of the week it is. Oh, Taco Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> or Jason Tatum. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you think LeBron would call the team like the Mexico City Taco Tuesdays? I don't know. Some, some, Tuesday tacos? Some, I guess that's better. Something disrespectful. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> that That's also a good reason not to put a, uh, a team in St. Louis so we don't get like a LeBron situation with Jason Tatum. <laughs> yes. The Jason Tatum say. Bradley Bill super team in St. Louis. <laughs> hey, St. Louis isn't that bad. I like St. Louis. St. Louis is good. It's a good city. I, I don't want any issues with anyone from St. Louis. St. Louis is great. Yeah. I also have no beef with St. Louis. I just think it, that, that'd be pretty funny. The Bradley oh, yeah. Beal, Jason Tatum super I'm team. I'm coming That's... home and it's St. Louis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> St. Um, Louis Arches. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed that Choose Your Fighting. This has, been, this has been a pod. This has been a pod. Uh, we are somehow even longer than usual uh, when it's just me and Ty. But that's, you know, because we're having great conversations. Last, last, go ahead and plug yourself. Thank you. Thank you, Ron. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me, for keeping me on for an hour plus. Uh, <laughs> I feel bad that I made you guys just sit here and listen to me drone about how nice Vancouver is when I've never been. But uh, for the rest of your audience who has persevered through this podcast and stayed with us i appreciate you and you should follow me on twitter at last chance that's at l-a-z-c-h-a-n-c-e i host two podcasts about the detroit pistons you can listen to both of them the detroit bad boys podcast uh, which is part of detroitbadboys.com and the pistons versus everybody podcast which is part of the blue wire podcast network which Woo. you are currently listening to right now Okay, yes, listen to Laz. Make sure you follow him. He's honestly a great Twitter follower, great basketball mind. Just check out all of his content, all of the pods. Just, just you're, you're doing a good decision by getting more Laz in your life. So <laughs> make sure you check out all of the things he just told you, his Twitter, his two pods. And I'd like to talk to you listeners and say thank you for listening to this episode of the Eurostep here on the aforementioned Blue Wire Podcast Network. Make sure you tell your family and friends about the show. Leave a rating and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Stay safe, everyone, and we will talk to you next time.